Welcome back to the Plug In For More podcast. Today's episode is going to be an overview looking at some of the new updates in the EV world. We're going to talk about the new prototypes and concepts that are coming out at the LA Auto Show, as well as a new exhibit at the Peterson Automotive Museum. And Bryant takes a road trip in his EV6 in some cold weather. I'm excited to be back. I've missed you guys. Aw, missed you too, big guy. Welcome to Plug In For More, brought to you by EVUniverse.com. EV Universe is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle. Here on this podcast, our goal is to educate, inspire, and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating. And now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. Can you guys hear me okay? How is my audio? Really good. It sounds pretty good. Does it? Okay. Yeah. It might actually be better than I when you're agree. at your house i was gonna say the same i might be better really? yeah well i'll just go record in my car i mean that's <laughs> i don't i mean it really it's, it's that, the room is pretty echoey and this is like i feel like a pretty good sound deadening in this vehicle and maybe that can be your gimmick you can just sit in your tesla and bring your good yeah. mic and then do your podcast recording in there yeah and yeah, bring it in the roadster <laughs> i think that defeats the purpose but okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> So what were you doing in San Francisco? What was that? Um, that was a road trip, but it wasn't in an EV, unfortunately. Yeah. I was looking at classic cars, you know, and fun cars, but nothing to do with EVs, unfortunately. I did see quite a few Teslas, though. Shocker. In San Francisco, it's like every other car. Uh, Rivian's everywhere. I mean, it was pretty cool just to see, like, every hotel I stayed at had a charging station. It, it gave me an idea of, like, this is what the future of the rest of the country is going to eventually get caught up with, you know, San Francisco having charging stations everywhere, every hotel, pretty much everywhere I went, you had accessible charging stations, which is drastically different than I'd say most places you go to. Yeah. I think it's really cool when you look at like LA and San Francisco and what that infrastructure looks like today versus the East coast, which is where I'm at. There is still a significant amount of charging right now, but it's not to the same level. It's not even close. And then we go, I go home to the Midwest where you guys are at and a lot of places there's nothing. So it's kind of these, you, know, you can see the future in stages depending on where you go in the country. So to me, that that's pretty interesting and um, a lot to look forward to. Yeah. I think my biggest surprise is I was up in Chico, California, which if you don't know, I didn't know about three and a half hours north of San Francisco, home to Chico State, never heard of it before in my life, but as I pull into my hotel, I see the green glow of an Electrify America station. And I was like, are you kidding me? Chico has an Electrify America. So like to your point, Mike, the infrastructure is built out. Very impressive compared to, you know, where we're at in Michigan, which we have Electrify America stations, so don't get me wrong, but they're not in small little towns like Chico. Um, anyway, we want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, the Peterson Automotive Museum, if you've not been to it, I've had the pleasure of being to it a few times, is a gem in automotive American culture, I think. It's a pretty sweet design. You can't really drive past it if you're in L.A. If, you're, if you don't know what it looks like, I don't even know how to describe it. You should definitely Google it. But there's some really, really fantastic cars there. And in the basement is the vault. It's sponsored by Haggerty. And that's where all the really cool, cool cars are. Take a tour. Highly recommend going. Um, it's just an automotive gem. I'd say it's probably the best automotive museum in the entire country. Maybe um, in, in uh, competition with LeMay up in Seattle. But we're kind of excited because they have a new exhibit. And the new exhibit is all about Teslas. 
So they've got the 2019 Tesla Cybertruck prototype there. They have um, obviously the really cool new Tesla Roadster, which we'll talk about. But um, Mike, Tom, what are your what are your thoughts on some of the displays or, or some of the social media um, coming out of this museum? To me, it's it's cool to get some more <clears throat> some more photographs of the Cybertruck. I mean, for me, someone who has a reservation of that truck right from the beginning, like within the first few minutes, and to my wife's uh, displeasure, I guess you could say, I accidentally ordered three that first day because their website was um, was down, and I kept hitting submit, submit, and submit. And, uh, you know, the next day after I woke up, she was like, did you, did you see what this thing looks like? I'm like, yeah, it looks awesome. And she goes, no, it doesn't. It looks horrible. How we're not having that car in our driveway. But, um, she's like, so you, I'm, you better not have ordered one. And I'm like, I, I didn't order one. (laughs) And I stopped right there because I'd ordered three and it wasn't technically lying. And then she finds out later that it was actually three and, and she's like, well, it's a good thing they're only a hundred dollars per reservation because that's uh uh yeah i don't like it um so anyway so that was the end of that but um I, so i've been looking forward to that cyber truck for a few years now um and it's uh it's to me it's, it's super cool it's super futuristic looking at hopefully it shows up in the near future before all the other um ev trucks surpass it as far as performance and, and what it can do but uh yeah, I mean, between that and the Roadster exhibits, the the new and the old Roadster, um, I it's a really cool display. If you haven't checked it out, make sure you go, um, as Bryant said, make sure you get into the vault and take a look at that because there's a lot there. It's not just the cars. There's some other a- aspects there to the Tesla world. And any Tesla person, if you're a fanboy or not, it's something to check out just from the the progression of what um, the EVs have done over the years and, and where it was and, and where it is today and, and what we have to look forward to. And, and I'm with your wife, Mike, the cyber truck is hideous. <laughs> it, it's, it's a, an abomination. I'll, I'll be honest. Well, it's, 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 it's kind of a triangle. Um, I guess you don't like triangles. That's a, that's a problem for you and your geometric shapes. I, that's, that, that's for you to have a problem with. And, and my wife, same deal there, but, um, <laughs> But I will suspect that maybe this Cybertruck will be here before my Mach-E. I don't know. Just, yeah, this most likely possible. for you. Yeah. If everything works in my favor, it will be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I had the same reaction when I saw that Peterson was unveiling this display. I thought it was the Moonlander display, and I didn't realize, you know, it was a Cybertruck. <laughs> uh, because I'm with Mike on this one. Uh, I think it's cool, but I don't know how practical it's going to be. Like, can it fit in your garage? How tall is this thing? You know, the tires are like 36 inches. Like, there's some practicality problems with it. Isn't it supposed to be able to float? Didn't I hear that? Yes. According according to Elon Musk and Twitter, and we are not going to get into that whole debate on this podcast. If you're looking for more information on that, go someplace else. We know what we're going to do when Mike gets his, though. We're going to test this out, right? We're going to take it into a lake and see if it floats. Like, Mike, let's just get on record right now. Like, are we going to do this? I mean, as long as we know who the insurance agent is, then we're fine. I got Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's cool. Um, one of the key aspects I like about it is that it's going to be, you know, the doors are, and the whole body, the exoskeleton is not really going to get car dings and door dings and that kind of thing. And that, that's a with little kids, and I'm sure you guys know, they like to just pop those doors open and smash them into 
you know, your vehicle. And I've had that happen to a number of my cars over the years. And so I'm looking forward to baseballs and footballs knocking into it and not having to worry about shopping carts or whatever it may be hitting the, the car, hitting the truck. So um, it might be blinding. Um, it might be ugly, uh, but at least it won't be dented. Yeah, I think it's I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. I think the other car, though, that I'm more cool is that's on display is the Roadster, like you talked about. And you have you have uh you know a nice picture of yours behind your desk um it's a 2017 roadster that's on it's on display and then they have the the model s plaid on display as well but mike do you have a tesla roadster on order too or like what's can you even order one yeah so just to give my background on the roadster so i have uh one of the originals been 975 and that's um you know, it's a Radiant Red 2.5 Sport. If you haven't seen it on the YouTube channel, check it out. We've got a little walk around video of it. Um, but that's sort of my, that, that's my baby. Um, but I did have one of the new ones on order um, for a while. And then I got my reservation back just because it was taking forever. And it's just money sitting at Tesla. Um, so I, I don't have one on order right now. And so if we get some more information that one's coming, I might put in another reservation for that because I that is kind of a, a dream car. Um, but for right now, no, I'm just I'm wait I'm gonna wait and see because I'm really not sure when it's gonna hit. If it's gonna be 2025 or 2030, not gonna be 2022. That's for sure. Why so wouldn't we'll you just get a Polestar Six? That's a good question. And I just got the email back that um, I did not put in my reservation deposit down in time so that has slipped through my fingers and we'll see what happens but uh it's a disappointment i'm so disappointed you had one job one job (laughs) i always count on you two to make me make me feel good about my life decisions and uh apparently that was not the right one so appreciate you guys thank you well we can always do a viper conversion all right, so let, let's back up for the, for the listeners that haven't heard this before, and we're going off the rails a little bit on today's podcast, but yeah, th- there has been some discussion on doing a, a EV conversion um, by myself and Aaron Jones or you know some other group, we'll see, uh, but doing a Gen 1 Roadster, or excuse me, Gen 1 Dodge Viper conversion. Um, so a lot of the purists out there with the V10, May not like hearing that, but that was kind of the plan. So that's what Brian's referring to. Um, I had kind of a a whim that I wanted to do this and almost purchased one a little while ago, but didn't do it. Um, I think I thought through that a little bit more, and uh, now I just get ragged on from time to time. So again, thank you, gentlemen, for that. We are in awe of your maturity and restraint. I've got no words. Thank you. I love it. I love you got it. the words. <laughs> So to put a wrap on the Peterson Museum, they they coincided this display with the LA Auto Show. And, you know, just really quick, the last thing in the Peterson I'll say is it's I just think it's really cool to see electric vehicles in an automotive museum like the Peterson because they have some really, really historically significant cars, right? They've got K&M race cars. They have there's a whole gauntlet. I can't even name all of them. There's like you know, over like 800 cars in this place. The fact that the Tesla is there is pretty cool. But if we were going to switch gears a little bit, the LA Auto Show, 
debuted multiple vehicles. They had tons of EVs there. Um, you know, the two the two that kind of caught our eye because we've already we've already covered a lot, right? We've talked about the Pebble Beach. If not listened to that podcast episode, go back. There's quite a few unveiled there. Um, but the two that caught our eyes, which we want to talk about just briefly, was the new Lucid EV um, SUV. The, it's called the Gravity, and then Toyota unveiled this concept called the BZ. It's a smaller SUV, but it's probably going to be something around Toyota's second EV. Um, starting with the Lucid, just a few interesting stats on this car. So it's probably going to be launched in 2024, maybe 2025. Again, it's called the Gravity. It's pretty big. It's going to be offered in three rows with an entirely you know, glass roof, um, which is pretty cool. It's going to challenge the Lucid Air for the longest range. So the Lucid Air right now has a 520-mile range, and they're going to say that this is going to be really close to that. I just can't imagine how heavy this is going to be, so I would assume the battery is going to be very large. Um, I think it's kind of neat thinking that the thing's going to have somewhere around 1,000 horsepower is what they're talking about. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't have 0 to 60 times, but they're talking about three motors um, as, an, as an option in addition to the two motors. And I think the biggest thing is how much space. So that they specifically, uh, Derek Jenkins, their, their senior vice president, when he unveiled it, said this is going to be a supercar in disguise with an SUV type space and cargo space that seems impossibly big relative to the exterior size of the vehicle. So I'd say most EVs that have come out in the SUV space have been very streamlined. Uh, very aerodynamic. This thing looks more like a Ford Expedition from the 2000s. It's it's not super streamlined, but they're trying to uh, maximize the interior space. So that was kind of intriguing to me. Um, like I said, the 1200 ho- horsepower three motor taken right from the um, the Air Sapphire sedans going to make this thing go quick. But um, Mike, Tom, any any other thoughts on the the new Lucid? I mean, for the, the the lucid air itself if you've seen the the trunk on one of those it's not i would say it's not the most user friendly um and i think this will you know kind of fit the gap for someone some for the for the owners that need to you know, take long trips take a lot of cargo with them um this is going to be a great road trip car i mean if you're thinking 500 miles ish 1200 horsepower the interior on lucids is amazing to begin with um it's extremely high quality um it's a very nice place to spend your time so i think this is going to be just um, probably one of the top road trip vehicles out there period um i mean 500 miles in my gosh that's just a a massive um massive range but it's going to be heavy i think um so i don't think it's probably gonna my guess again is it's not going to handle quite as well what no suvs really handle as good as um sedans do yeah i i like it i'm a fan of lucid um i think they're a really sharp well thought out car and fit and finish is impressive so i'm looking forward to having the chance to check one out and i would love to get my hands on a gravity and own one my partner is uh far more concerned with the classic vehicle like she would prefer to go back to having like a early 2000s jeep xj like bare bones jeep as her daily driver but she likes the lucid and i could probably convince her to get into one of those but whereas like the tesla or the maki i'm getting she doesn't really care for i mean after spending some time in one i mean i can see why yeah i mean they're just uh they're they're very well done very very well done yeah 
Yep, I agree. The other one was interesting from Toyota. It's the BZ concept. Um, it looks like the exterior uh, looks like to me like a Mazda CX-5. About that size and the style yeah. looks very similar. Um, yeah. The BZ stands from Beyond Zero. Uh, as you know, I think Tesla, or sorry, Toyota is behind in the <laughs> the rest of the world in EVs right now. They have one uh, BZ4X crossover that's been unveiled, but they have nothing uh, really in the in the marketplace. Yeah, I mean that's a big departure from what they're what they were saying even a few months ago. I mean they were really on this hybridization is going to be the key to the future, and, and it seems like they've kind of finally gone away from that, and they're really um, embracing the the all EV not hybrid uh, mindset. Which I mean, when I look at this BZ concept, I mean, I, think I personally like the look of it. I think it's a it's a sharp looking car. They they've got a lot of catching up to do. They really do. Um, because if you look at even you know Fisker Ocean production just hit on that car, and this is um, I think in that same general size. I don't think it. I mean, from what I'm reading about it, it doesn't really have any um, large benefits other than a uh, you know being made from Toyota, which you know your reliability and fit and finish should be right up there. Um, over what the Fisker Ocean is, but I mean, there's um, there's some stiff competition Toyota has to make a break in this market. Yeah, I would agree. And the off chance that Toyota's president um, Akio Toyota is listening, please do not go down the Audi naming around the Genesis or not the Genesis, the Etron, <laughs> because I'm starting to feel like we have the BZ4X, we have the BZ, we have the BZ3X. Like, please do not do that. You well, make these cars. Just... Let's just do this. Let's just have an open letter to any automobile manufacturer that before you go into your naming conventions, consult with us. Let us help you. Help us help you not making a confusing car name. Yes. Agreed. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I love it. Um, I think to your point, Mike, this is going to be, I think, the platform that, they, that they're that they going to build a bunch of EVs from. So the exterior, I think, is pretty close to what, it, what it's going to look like. The interior, I thought a couple interesting things, taking the yoke steering wheel from the Tesla. And also, it's hard to describe this, but the dash is curved and the screen is curved. So I don't know if that's going to be in production. I don't know about a curved screen. It sounds expensive. It sounds actually kind of hard to hit buttons when you're driving because it's not flat um, to change things. But um, And then obviously, we've heard a lot of pros and cons about the Tesla yoke steering wheel. I think you either love it or hate it. Um, Mike, any opinions on the yoke? What do you think? So the first couple of days driving a you know vehicle with the yoke steering wheel takes some definitely getting used to. I mean, and, and it's fine when you're going kind of on a straight or mildly curvy road. When you're starting to get parking situations, that's where it gets to be a little bit more difficult, especially with the Teslas that don't have the, the, the stock for reverse and drive and that sort of thing. And you're really just depending on the car to do it for you, for yourself or pushing a button on the screen. Um, so from a visibility standpoint, I think they're great, but um, I'm I'm kind of a I guess old school, and I really like a steering wheel better, even if the visibility is slightly reduced, just because I like to move my hands around in different positions. Where in a yoke, you're really locked in, almost like an any car driver, and that to me just um, it's not even a usability thing. It's just for overall comfort from day to day. I just don't want to have my hands in exactly the same spot, especially if I'm going to go on a you know, couple hour road trip. Um, Sometimes I like to put them on the top of the steering wheel, and there just isn't. For what it's worth, I mean, you gotta you gotta try it. That's the thing. End of the day, you just gotta try it. See if you like it. You're gonna love it. You might not. 
You're listening to the Plug In For More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. So, Brian, you wasted a weekend going down to what, Ann Arbor. There's a college there, maybe, university. There's maybe a football team. I, I'm familiar with it, but really, I'm a Michigan State fan through and through. So, I mean, I, I don't know why you'd want to go to Ann Arbor and waste a trip, but I guess it's not, you're not paying for gas. So it's not that big of a waste. Yeah, I went to Ann Arbor twice. One to pound that Michigan State team into the ground. That was a good that was a good game. And uh, and then this a couple weeks ago to the Nebraska game, Tom. So uh, yeah, you're right. You know, 110,000 of my buddies. We like to cheer on football, but you know, obviously we did a, a three part. You guys did a three part series on winter driving, and I just want to kind of you know finish that off because I just did a 500 mile road trip to Tom's Point in my EV6, and it was cold. So when I first left, it was, I thought this was really interesting. When I left, it was 64 degrees and sunny in Northern Michigan. When I returned, it was 29 degrees and snowing. So I got the full gamut and I learned five things or five takeaways from, from it that I wanted to share just briefly. Um, I think number one is common sense, but we still see a lot of questions our way. Uh, gas powered vehicles lose range when the temperature drops and so does electric vehicles. So when I left, I had about a 276-mile range. It was 64 degrees outside. Uh, our first charging stop was about 145 miles away, so at about a 130-mile buffer. As we drove on, the range dropped uh, because we were, one, driving at 75, 80 miles an hour, and the temperature also dropped from 64 to 44. So we arrived at our first uh, fast charger with 80 miles left on the estimator. So my first learning is give yourself a little bit more um, range estimation if you're going to be driving in the cold because if you're going to be driving fast and cold that's going to drop a little bit quicker number two a lot of vehicles have this but i use the battery preconditioning called winter mode in the, in the ev6 so what this does is when you select it you put in a charging station into the navigation and it starts warming up the battery when you get close to the charging station that also uses some of your range up right but it allows your battery to charge faster in cold weather because it's already up to speed or up to temperature so it increases the speed so i would say we we basically achieve the same charging speeds we usually get at electrify america from 20 percent to 80 percent in about 18 19 minutes with this feature activated so that was really beneficial the third one is pretty common sense but if it's snowing out use snow mode so we got on the way back some snow we put it in snow mode it engages the second motor in the front and turns it into basically an all-wheel drive vehicle However, this is going to take a little bit of your range off from, from an eco mode, and it's going to stop your regenerative braking, which I think you know Tom and Aaron covered very well in our last episode. If you've not listened to that, go back and listen to it. It was very helpful on this road trip. But just know that activating all-wheel drive and having, having the uh, regenerative braking turn off is going to lower your range. Um, the last two things I learned was charging may take longer at non-fast chargers. So we spent the night... We got up in the morning. I had about a 35% charge when I got to Ann Arbor after after the one stop. Went to the football game for four hours and afterwards ate dinner. So I was at the charge point charger a good seven hours. And it was a slow charger, so I wasn't expecting to be charged fast. But I was still charging most of that time around 3.7 kilowatt hours, which I'll translate into English is super slow. 
Um, we, we had achieved six to 10 on the same charger just a few weeks prior when it was warm out, but just be prepared for this because the battery preconditioning did not know we we're going to a charge point, slow charger. We just put in, you know, it just recognized that we we're going to a parking deck. So it didn't warm up the battery and the battery had been sitting all night. And then my last tip, which I've already talked about, give yourself more of a mileage buffer. Know that in the winter, you're going to have to drive slower. It's going to take a lot longer to get to your destination. So maybe an hour drive is going to be more of a two-hour drive if you're caught in, in the snow. And if you want your creature comforts, I had you know my creature comforts, the steering wheel heater on, the, the seat heaters were up. We had, we had the cabin temperature up at 75 because my wife really likes to be warm. That's going to drop the range. Um, I didn't see a ton because the heat pump was working really well. But if you don't have a heat pump, uh, really give yourself a buffer. And I would say that we lost 276 mile range when we started. Um, in the in the colder weather, is more down like 235 miles. So, uh, lastly, just use uh, use the temperature preconditioning if you can get the vehicle up to up to temp. Because if you have an EV6 or a Tesla. And it gets cold out and there's lots of snow know that your recessed door handles are going to freeze shut and you need to use the cabin free heat feature to warm up the car so that's what i learned uh any any thoughts questions mike tom yeah those door handles are, are such a problem that your wife even texted me about it um she was she wanted to make it well known that uh the recommended vehicle uh the door handles suck for winter and so um just be prepared for some blowback, everybody. If you get a vehicle that has little recessed door handles and it they freeze up, either use a preconditioning so that they warm up a little bit, you know, knock on them a little bit to get them to open up, or expect a text message from your friends and family that uh, that they're that they're iced up. It really bothered her if she texted you. It really bothered her. How did the EV6 do once you got into some snow? Did you ever notice any slipping with regenerative braking or traction control issues? It's a great question. I would say, so it has all season tires on it. Um, mm -hmm. They're not bad, but I wouldn't say it's going to be my preferred winter driving car. I'm going to probably drive my truck, which has brand new tires, really nice snow tires on it. I'm probably going to drive my truck when it gets really, really snowy because I decided not to get winter tires for this car this year. It only has 9,000 miles on it. Yeah. But uh, I wouldn't say it's awesome, but I think it's the tires. I think it's the tires, yeah. and you guys covered that really well in the previous episode of why, right? It's got those EV tires. Mm -hmm. um, but I was I was impressed in the deep snow. Like, it did really well in the deep snow. I would say it was the icy conditions. Um, I'd say it's a normal car. It's just like a normal car with all seasons, but I was impressed. Um, I like that it turns off the regenerative braking because that can I could see how that would throw you. If the yeah. regenerative braking turns on, it kind of jerks the car a little bit or if you change that in the paddle shifters from level one to level four or whatever um the eye pedal slows the car down and just makes it weird so i like that it's turned that off um i shouldn't say it's turned it off it's moved it to level one so it's still on but very minor um but i would say i'm, I'm blaming the the summer all season tires and not the ev6 that's fair i think that about wraps up what we're going to talk about here today guys but i just want to take a minute to thank the people listening to the podcast and we've been really overwhelmed by how many of you are supportive and reaching out and supplying us with ideas for content and we want to make sure that we're getting to those so one of the episodes that we're going to have coming up will be a series on buying a used ev that that's in the pipes coming down and we also just want to make sure that you're reaching out and, and offering suggestions if there's things you want to hear because we're open to it and we want to make sure that we're answering questions for people 
to help ease that transition into the electric vehicle space, which is the whole purpose of this podcast exists. All right. Uh, so Tom, your, your mach is supposed to be built on the 12th and, uh, I'm hoping you maybe get an early Christmas present. And for our listeners out there that are maybe on waiting lists and EVs are supposed to be delivered. Maybe, uh, maybe you all get an early Christmas present. That would be an amazing Christmas present. Thanks guys. It was great talking with you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy new year. Take care guys. Happy new year. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to Plug In for More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, EVUniverse.com. Until next time.